Welcome to Anchor Point, where we believe that the next 30 minutes could change your life forever. So join us to consider the greatest message ever heard, the good news of the gospel, as well as sound scriptural teaching for believers, all based on the Word of God, the anchor for our souls. Anyone who is familiar with the Bible at all will discover almost immediately that mankind has a problem. God makes this very clear from beginning to end. We are broken and damaged, unable to meet up to our own standards, let alone the standards of God. We sin, don't we? We can hate ourselves for it, be sorry for it, but that doesn't change matters. We're all sinners. We can't help but sin, and since God hates sin, since no sin can enter into his presence, That leaves us with a very serious problem indeed. How can a man be justified with God? Even if it were possible for us to clean up our act, not to do one single sin from this day forward, we still have a long record of sins on our previous account, and God knows every one of them. Is it possible to have our guilty record made clean from start to finish? Is it really possible to have all of our sins forgiven? A clean slate, as it were. Yes, it is. It's called justification, and it's the topic of today's broadcast with evangelist Mr. Bill Seal. Mr. Seal takes us through the problem of sin, of being outside of Christ and having an extensive, undeniable guilty record, through to the wonderful offer of God to erase that record, to forgive us of all of our sins. No questions asked. Now, how is it possible? Well, it's possible through the work of Christ, and we hope that you'll follow along carefully, take these matters seriously, and accept God's provision for guilty sinners. The words of the Lord Jesus in John chapter 10. This is what he said. He said, My sheep are my voice, and I know them. And they follow me, and I give unto them eternal life. And they shall never perish. They shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. And so... What we have to speak about, the message of the gospel, is a message that we can speak with absolute confidence because of what God has said and what God has promised. A lot of times we take other people's word and uh, we would consider it almost gospel truth. Then why can't we just trust God? God tells us that whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. It's that cut and dried. And so tonight... If you don't know the Lord Jesus as your Savior, know this, that before you leave tonight, you could have that assurance and that confidence, I'm safe. I will never, ever have to experience the judgment of God for my sins. Now we're going to look at a couple of verses in connection with a big word. And this word is justification. And I don't want you to be afraid of the word, because I hope that uh, by the time we're finished, that you'll understand it in a very simple way. But it's an incredible truth that is found in the Word of God. There are many in this audience tonight who have come into the good of the truth of justification. And we'll explain that as we go along. I want to read uh, several places, first of all, in the book of Job, chapter 25. And we're going to read this question that was asked by a man whose name was Bildad. He was one of Job's, I use the term very loosely, one of Job's comforters. 
They ask this question in verse number 4. How then can a man, can mankind, can a person be justified with God? How's it possible? He wanted to know. He was interested. How would that be possible? Isaiah 59 and verse number 1 says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save. He's not too weak. Or his ear heavy. His ear is not dull. He can hear that it cannot hear. But your iniquities, but your sins. The message of the gospel is intensely personal. God is talking to you as an individual. So here's what God says. Your sins, your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God. Your sins. No one else's. Yours. You're guilty of them. I'm guilty of my sins. My sins made a separation between me and my God. Your sins have made a separation between you and your God. And if you die in that condition, you will never ever be in heaven. You will face the consequences of your sins. But know this, and this is the the good news of the gospel. If there is some way that those sins that have made a separation can be taken away, taken out of the equation, then there is nothing that separates me from God and all is well with my soul. Now let's go to Hebrews chapter 9, please. Verse 22. Without the shedding of blood, there is no, no exceptions, there is no forgiveness, no remission of sins. Again, God makes it very, very clear. 1 John 1 verse number 7 says at the end, the blood of Jesus Christ His Son, God's Son, cleanses us from all sin. That thing that separates us from God, the verse says, God says, it washes, it cleanses us from all sin. Book of Colossians in chapter 2. And we're going to read at the end of verse 13. He, that is God, forgave all our sins. He's writing to Christians. Verse 14, it says he canceled the record that contained the charges that were against us. He took it. He took what? He took the record that contained the charges. He took it and he destroyed it by nailing it to Christ's cross. Now, I think everyone here tonight is uh, somewhat familiar with uh, something that looks like this. You have to be this high in order to ride this ride, and um, it's four foot three inches tall. Minimum height. What if you're four foot two? It says four foot three, but what if you're four foot two? Isn't that close enough? The fact of the matter is that even though you miss it just by one inch, you're disqualified. No, you cannot ride that ride. The Bible makes it very plain in the book of Romans that all of us have sinned. In fact, verse 22 of Romans 3 says this. The end of the verse says there's no difference. You see, when God looks at people, when God looks at all of us, that when God looks at you and he looks at me, or he looks at any single one of us, God says there's no difference. Why? Because all have sinned. And all have come short. That's this picture. All have come short. We've missed the mark. And that's what it means. We've come short of the glorious standard. We've come short of the glory of God. And whether it's one sin 
or a million sins. Whether it's a little sin or one of the headliner sins, he says no difference. All have sinned. We have all missed the standard. We've all come short. And so that's how God sees us. And as a result, we are disqualified. We have some grandchildren staying with us just now. And uh, in my driveway, which is concrete, there is one hole that fills up with mud and water. It's amazing the magnetism of that little hole in my driveway. Because my little grandson, even my little granddaughter, first place they want to go is that little hole and stick their foot in it with a new shoe on. You know, it just sort of attracts them. Now, usually, the children are taught early on. Now, you can come into the mudroom, you can come into the basement, whatever the case is, especially when you look like this, but don't you dare go into that room. And so for that little guy, as much as he may want to go into that room, he too is disqualified. I think that you're getting the picture a little bit. There's a man, and this is to uh, symbolize a man by the name of uh, Saul of Tarsus. Now, Saul of Tarsus, he would have considered himself not the man who was covered in mud, not the sinful kind of a man, even though he changed his tune quite a bit later on, but he was a religious man. And maybe there's someone here tonight and you're very religious. Uh, The Lord spoke to religious people, and he spoke to them very, very plainly and very bluntly. But this man, Saul of Tarsus, he was guilty of torture and murder of Christians because he thought that it was pleasing God if he would get rid of these people who called themselves the way, who called themselves the Christian. And so one day he decides, I'm going to Damascus. I'm going to arrest the Christians there. He's got these letters, as you see in his hand, and there are sort of the uh, subpoenas so that he can arrest these individuals who call themselves Christian. He takes a trip. He goes on the way to Damascus, and on the way, God stops him. Saul, why are you fighting against me? Why are you persecuting me? What does he say? Who are you? Who are you? For the first time, he got a real look at who this man, Jesus, was. But in that condition, as religious as he might have been, he too was disqualified. So what is justification, this big word that we're talking about? This man owned a Rolls Royce, if you don't know what that car is. He decided that he was going to go on a, on a motor tour of Europe. He lived in England, and so he had his Rolls Royce shipped across the channel, delivered into France, he got in it, and away he went on his holidays. Partway through the journey, that beautiful, expensive vehicle died. He had trouble with it. He didn't know what to do, so he, he phoned uh, the Rolls-Royce company and said, uh, this is Mr. So-and-so, and this is my situation. What do I do? They said, sir, you stay right there. We will fly a mechanic to your location as soon as we can. So he waited, and sure enough, very quickly, a mechanic arrived where he was and uh, fixed his car, and away he went, and he enjoyed his holidays. He had the car shipped back home, and he waited, and he waited. And so he decided that he was going to write a letter to the Rolls-Royce company because he never got a bill for all their trouble. That was significant expense. And so the motor company wrote him a letter back. Dear sir, we have no record of any mechanical failure with a Rolls-Royce motor car. Yes, there was a problem, obviously, but there wasn't any record of it. And that's what justification is. Before God, with my sin that we're talking about, with yours, when God looks at me, there's no record of my sin. I am cleared of all charges. That's what God wants to do for you. And it's the only way 
any of us will be in heaven. The only way. As long as there's one sin between myself and God, I cannot, I will not ever be in heaven. Of course, some people have the idea that, uh, well, you know, I'm not all that bad. Now, if, uh, especially if I was to ask the ladies, you look at this shirt and you say, um, tell me about that shirt. And you say, well, it's dirty. But there's only two little spots, right? But, well, okay, well, we'll change that a little bit. And uh, ladies, it's dirty too. Yeah, but this is a lot worse than the... No, but they're both dirty. Dirty. Unacceptable. And therefore disqualified. The, the only thing that would uh, qualify as clean is something that has no spots at all. Be honest, would you? Look in the mirror of your soul. Look in the mirror of your heart. Ask yourself, what really does God see when he looks at me? You haven't committed those big sins? Good, you shouldn't. But I know that every single one of us, we have all told a lie, haven't we? Every single one of us, we have taken something that doesn't belong to us, haven't we? We have disobeyed those who have a rule over us, our parents, haven't we? Those things are called sin. And whether it's the little spots or the bigger ones or the giant ones, there's no difference because all of us have sinned. God is not interested in the sin itself, the description, the kind of sin. God is interested in this. You sinned. Adam and Eve, what did you do? What was so awful, Adam and Eve, that God himself drives you out of the Garden of Eden? How bad was it, Adam? Well, God said, don't take a fruit, and we did. You see, the difficulty is we do not appreciate God's view of sin. God hates, he hates sin. And no sin will ever enter into heaven. Here's our verse that we read in Isaiah 59. That iniquity, that sin that has made a separation between ourselves and God. And you can see that break illustrated in this little picture. Our sin comes between ourselves and God, and in that condition, and that's exactly what it is, that's my condition, that's your condition, if you've never come to know the Lord Jesus as your Savior, and as a result, we are disqualified from the presence of God. We cannot be in heaven in our sins. God will not allow it, because if one sin enters into heaven, then heaven is no different than earth. It's contaminated, it's ruined, and it is corrupt. If we look at a verse from James chapter 2. Here's what James says. If a person had the ability just to keep the whole law and only offend in one point, just one out of ten, he's guilty. The same label. He's guilty of them all. We know what a chain is. A chain is often used when we want to be really secure. We want to make sure that we're not going to fall or not, something's not going to come apart, whatever the case may be. We realize this, that if even only one of those links breaks, then the whole thing is useless. Whether we break ten at a time or whether we break just one, the results are exactly the same. If you were hanging off the edge of a cliff with a chain of links, it only takes one to break and we fall. That's what James says. Keep the whole law and just offend in one point. Guilty of all. Just the same result as if we had broken them all. So the question that we read in Job 25, how can a man be justified with God? That's the cry. And the cry is how? How is it possible that I can be cleared of charges? If my sin has separated between me and my God, how can it be changed? 
So what is the criteria? What's necessary? What's the requirement for me to be cleared of those charges? And that's why I read both in Hebrews chapter 9 and in 1 John chapter 4, these verses. Listen to what God says, please. Without the shedding of blood, without the death of the Lord Jesus on the cross, there is no forgiveness of sins. Zero. Some people say, well, yeah, but, um, you know, I confess my sins. Doesn't the Bible say somewhere that if we confess our sins, he forgives them? Yeah, it does. It says it in the next chapter, 1 John chapter 1. But he's not writing to the unsaved. He's writing to the Christians. It has to do with fellowship, not position. Not position. What he says is the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, it cleanses us from all sin. You see, when the Lord Jesus died some 2,000 years ago, None of us was alive. You say, well, I, I, I know that. I, I can figure that out. So how can all my sins be laid on him? Here's the wonderful truth of who God, in his infinite uh, power, in his existence, he fills eternity. He inhabits eternity. There's no past and, and present and future with God. God says, I am. That's who he is. He fills all time. And this God who knows all about me, knows all about my sins, and he has forgiven the sins that I haven't even committed yet. Thank God for the finished work of Christ. He's God. He knows. And it's all done. Don't have to fear. That doesn't mean that I have license to just do whatever I want. Some people, when you're talking to them about that, they think, okay, well, if that's the case, I'll just go out and do what I want and have a good old time. No, no, you won't. The fact is that if you've truly come to Christ, and you have been saved, you have been redeemed, you have been forgiven, then, yeah, all your sins are forgiven, past and present and future. Sing this song with the children. What can make me whole again? And it is nothing but the blood of Jesus. Sometimes when it comes to the truth of the gospel, when the message of the gospel, people say something like this. They say, well, you know, when you preach the gospel, it's so narrow. I mean, it's so narrow and, and straight. I mean, isn't there many ways? That verse are the words of the Lord Jesus from his lips. You have a problem with that, then take it up with the Lord, because this is what he said. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one, no one comes to the Father except by me. He's the only way. And it's amazing to think that God sent him from heaven to this earth to be the way, so that even as we read in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18, Christ also has once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, the just in the place of the unjust. Why? So that he might bring us to God. So that he might bring us to God. The work of the Lord Jesus on the cross of Calvary. There was a man who was walking one day with a Christian man, and he was a skeptic. And he said this, he said, if Jesus on the cross of Calvary, when he died, he died knowing all sin, he died for all sin and all sinners, then why isn't everyone saved? Why? Just at that time, there was a fellow that walked by that looked something like this. He was just dirty. The Christian man said to him, he said this, he said, is it the fault of the soap and water that he looks like that? And of course, the skeptic said, no, absolutely not. And the man said to him, that's exactly correct. There is potential in the soap and water, to change the condition of that man. But unless he applies it, it does him no good. There is potential, there is sufficiency in what the Lord Jesus did at the cross of Calvary 
to save you and to cleanse you from all sin. You see, there's this crime, this indelible crime, this sin that has separated us from God. And no matter what we do, we can't get rid of it. What we're looking for is how can it be cleared? How can I be cleared of those charges that we have been speaking about? It has to do with our, our permanent record. I remember when I was in uh, elementary school, we called it back then, my first grade teacher, I remember she had this big book on her desk, and I didn't know what it was. I found out what it was, and what it was was a, was a permanent record. And it had the name of all the students in her class. It had my name in, uh, she usually put it in alphabetic order. What she did for the course of the entire year was she wrote down everything about me. She wrote down my grades. She wrote down my attendance. She wrote down when I did well, and she wrote down when I didn't do so well. But what bothered me was when I went to grade two, that book followed me. And so my grade two teacher found out what I did in grade one. And when I went to grade three, guess what? It followed me. And so she could find out what I did in grade one. It, I couldn't get rid of my permanent record. It was, it was sort of like a, you know, it was scary almost. You have a permanent record. And unlike the teacher who sometimes you can get away with things that he or she doesn't see, it doesn't happen with God. And everything in my record is documented, my sin. And so if you can just imagine, in the presence of God is this book and its pages with my name on it. My sins are there. To be justified, to be cleared of all charges, means that when I go and look at my name, there's nothing there to accuse me. There is nothing there for which I can be punished, for which I can be condemned. That's what it means to be justified cleared of all charges before God. See, if a person is pardoned, that's wonderful. They get out of jail free. But the record is still there. It's still on the police record. The only thing that works with God is to have nothing there and no indication that there ever was anything there. Listen to the words of our last text. God forgave all our sins. Listen to what God has done. And child of God, enjoy it. It thrills our hearts. If you're not saved, enter into the good of it. Because this is, this is what he said he's done. He forgave all our sins. He canceled the record. Permanent record? He canceled the record that contained the charges that were against me. How could he do that? He took it and he destroyed it. He didn't sweep it under the rug. He didn't just forget about it. He destroyed it by nailing it to Christ's cross. And Jesus said, it is finished. What has God done? He actually canceled the record of charges against us. Indeed, the Bible says that God nailed it to the cross. That is, Christ paid the debt, and wiped out the record once and for all. What could be greater news than that? Good news. Have you acknowledged your sins before God and received Christ's payment for them on your behalf? That's what the gospel message is all about. Don't ignore the message and carry your sin record with you after you leave this life. Now is the time to set the record straight. Trust Christ today, won't you? If this or any of our Bible messages here at Anchor Point has made you aware of God's interest in you, or if you'd like some literature or a visit that would help you to understand these important truths, why don't you drop us a line at email at anchorpointradio.com. We'd love to hear from you.
We're glad that you were able to join us at Anchor Point today. Anchor Point is sponsored by believers in Christ who are meeting at various gospel halls. Each of these Christian assemblies holds gospel services every Sunday as well as other meetings such as regular prayer and Bible studies throughout the week. No collection is ever taken and a very warm welcome awaits you. If you've been challenged by today's message and would like to know more about the truth of the gospel or of gathering under the name of our Lord Jesus Christ following New Testament principles, take a look at our website at anchorpointradio.com. There you will find more information as well as the location, programs, and meeting schedules for the gathering center nearest you. My name is John Sharp, and thank you once again for listening, and we invite you to join us again next week at the same time for Anchor Point, where we believe that Christ alone is the anchor for the soul.